Lord, be with those of our family members, our church family, who are away from us this weekend traveling. I pray, dear God, that you would just give them traveling mercy and traveling grace. I pray specifically for Deborah Moat, dear Lord. You know all that's going on with her. Dear Lord, as I talked to Natalie yesterday, you know the words that she told me. We just don't know, but we're praying. We're praying your will. We're praying give the doctors the, uh, what they need to diagnose. Or just say it's just a freak accident. But Lord, I want to pray for Deborah and her family right now. I know that they are all tired. And I know, dear Lord, that they are looking for answers and are concerned. Dear Lord, I want to continue to lift up Will White to you this morning. Dear Lord, I was able to visit him this week. I just ask you, dear Lord, to be with him. Let him get stronger, dear Lord. I pray for... Um, pray for... Dear Lord, just our church this morning as we prepare our hearts to worship. I pray if there's anything that is in between us and you, dear Lord, that we would hide that behind the blood of Christ. Dear Lord, that we would in this prayer ask you to forgive us where we failed you. Dear Lord, so we can have a direct relationship and a direct encounter with you here this morning. Dear Lord, as we go through this worship, I pray that we are here to offer you your worth. Dear Lord, what we have down here is nothing compared to what we have eternally in heaven. And I pray, dear Lord, that we recognize that and we offer up your worth here this morning together as a corporate body. Lord, go with us the rest of the service. Let all that we do bring you praise, honor, and glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Let's all stand. Just a little talk with Jesus. You got my mind. I once was all sincere, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. He made my heart in love and wrote my name above. And just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. Have a little talk with Jesus, tell him all about our troubles, hear our faintest cry, answer by and by, feel a little prayer will turn in, know a little fire is burning, find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Sometimes my past seems free without a ray of cheer, and then a cloud of doubt may hide the light of sin may rise and hide the starry skies but just a little talk with Jesus clears away have a little talk with Jesus tell him all about our troubles hear our faintest cry answer by and by feel a little prayer will turn him know a little fire is burning find a little talk with Jesus makes it right I hear you. And you do. Hey, job. Sam, won't you come down and help us sing this bass part? Yes. Hurry up, Sam. Oh, <laughs> it's okay for you to run, Sam. <laughs> Just don't run over Mike Parrish. I figured you were going to ask me. Yeah. <laughs> 
remember the words. I'll, I'll point it out to you, okay? Okay. I may have doubts and fears, my eyes be filled with tears, but Jesus is a friend who watches day and night. I go to Him in prayer, He knows my every care, and just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Have a little talk with Jesus, tell Him all about our troubles, hear our faintest cry, answer Find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. It's hard for you to sing and run the song for yourself. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Good job, buddy. You may be seated. Now, I will say this about Jennifer. So, Jennifer's dad and I worked together a good bit, and he and I were on our way to Athens, Georgia, and I said, hey, Craig, uh, you know, Jennifer got Teacher of the Year. He said, I didn't know nothing about that. I said, well, she ain't going to brag on herself, but I just want to brag on her to you that, hey, she got Teacher of the Year. So, Jennifer, congratulations. Andy, you got a good in there. And, David, I'm sure you got all your smartness from your mama. I know, buddy. <laughs> Victory in Jesus. Streets of gold be 
and the Christians sing about the angels singing and the old redemption story and some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory oh victory in Jesus my Savior forever he saw me and he bought me his redeeming blood he loved me ere I knew him and all my love is to him he plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing let us pray our most kind and gracious heavenly father lord we come to the throne god this is boldly as we know how heavenly father we thanking you for the opportunity, God, to come to your house today. God, I ask you, God, to God, you be with Brother Mike today, God, as he stands behind the stand, God, and proclaims your word. God, I ask you to hide him behind the cross. God, let him preach you and you only, Heavenly Father. Father, we ask you to watch over us, take care of us. God, be with those that's traveling. Give them traveling mercies. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Yeah. 
here so we're all going to stand from the last two songs and we're going to sing real real loud okay I want to act like the whole church is slap full just sing loud Sing. 
one that's going to be going to children's church. If so, y'all going to go? Want to go? Want to go to children's church? Y'all go right back there to Miss Brittany. Miss Brittany will be right back there. She will get you and direct you in that direction. Have some fun over there in children's church. All right. Invite you to open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five. Been doing a uh, sermon series on following Jesus beyond the church walls. Uh, this morning, I want to talk about us. Are we too professional to follow Jesus? Uh, as I look through this, I'm going to show you another video. I hope you've been enjoying the video series that we've been watching, kind of bringing Scripture to life. I know some of you probably seen that before, uh, but uh, it's always a good thing to see it again in context of preaching, to see it being brought to life. So uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to uh, stand with me. I'm going to read verse 1 in chapter 5 of Luke, 1 through 11, if you would stand with me. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and he began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we have worked hard all night. Can you hear it in his voice? Can you hear the amount of frustration? Can you hear the amount of the tiredness that is there? Master, we have worked all night, hard all night. And we have caught nothing. But I, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all of his companions because of the catch of the fish which they had taken. And also were John, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Thank you. You may be seated. So the uh, title of the sermon is, Are You Too Professional to Follow Jesus? In his book, Eat This Book, A Conversation in the Art of Spiritual Reading, Eugene Peterson writes, Obedience is living in active response to God. The most important question we can ask of any scriptural text is not, what does this mean? That is not the most important question we could ever ask as we're reading scripture. It is not, what does it mean? The most important question that we can ask is, what can I obey? What should I obey? What should I obey? 
A simple act of obedience, Peterson writes, will open up our lives to this text far more quickly than any number of Bible studies, dictionaries, and concordances. So as we're looking here in verse number 1, I've told you this before, I'll tell you this until uh, I'm gone, until Lord takes me or whatever. The Word of God attracts people. The Word of God in people's lives will naturally attract people. So I want to start there in verse 1. Luke opens this story of the miraculous catch with Jesus, and he writes it this way. He says, it happened. Well, what happened? NASB says, now it happened. Well, what is it? (laughs) He was teaching. He was teaching the people. And it was while he was teaching the people, they came around and they pressed around him so much. And why were they doing that? Because of the Word of God. It wasn't because of the great scene. It wasn't because of the great instruments that we have. It wasn't because or any other reason but the Word of God being spoken. And the power and the authority in which the Word of God was being spoken. They came and they pressed against him listening to the word of God. As I look and notice that the word of God should always attract people. The word of God should be foundational in all of our lives and everything that we do in the life of our church. If it's not, if, if we're adding to the word of God, we need to cut that out. The word of God is what will attract people. The power of the word of God in people's lives. So the Word of God attracts people. Now I want to transition real quickly into engaging the Word transforms people. So the Word of God attracts people. When people begin to engage the Word of God, it transforms them. In Hebrews 4.12, the author of Hebrews writes, The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Paul explains to Timothy in reference to Scripture. He says all Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, is inspired by God, is God-breathed and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. This is what the first Christians believed about this word that we have in our hands or on our phones. That is what they believed. They believed that the word of God, the spoken word of God, had power when they would engage it to transform their lives. It has just as much power as being in front of Jesus and listening to Him. This is what they believed. They believed that God was the author. They believed that Scripture was sharp so that they handled it and were cut by its teachings. They were cut by its rebuke and correction of their ways. They were cut in training for righteousness. They were cut so that they would become fully capable and equipped for every good work. Because the Word of God is powerful to transform They were willing to handle it even though it cut them. So this morning, I want to ask, how many of you have ever been cut by a knife? How many of you have ever been cut by a knife? 
You know, every time that I get cut by a knife, do you know what I get? I get some new insight as to how to handle it. Or I look back at myself and say, well, that sure was smart. I remember one time, it wasn't a knife, but it was a broadhead. It was a, a, a broadhead that you put on the end and you go bow hunting with, deer hunting. It was when I was in uh, Aniston and I was twisting that broadhead on the end of the arrow. And instead of using the tool that gripped it so that my hand would not get cut, I was in a hurry and I put my hand in there and I started twisting it with just my bare hands. Well, that broadhead sliced about half my thumb off. <laughs> Many of you have ever done that with a knife or with a broadhead? My experience in handling knives or in handling broadheads is that every time I get cut by it, it makes me better or it should make me better. I mean, uh, you know. Yeah, but, well, you know what? I'm going to get this tool that was meant to put on that broadhead so I don't cut my finger. I don't want to have that happen again. That's the same thing we do with knives, whether it's a pocket knife, whether it's a knife in the, in the kitchen or whatever. As we cut ourselves, we become very cautious when we're holding it and we gain experience. We understand how best to use it in ways that do not cut us. The same thing can be said about the Word of God. As we begin to use the Word of God, have the Word of God applied to our lives, it will cut. It will cut us. It cuts. But what it cuts, we didn't need anyway. You see, the Lord is cutting stuff out of our lives. Now, we may have a big question about now. Hold on just a second. I want to go get that again. I don't want that cut away from me and my life. But what I know about using a hand knife is the same way, the same thought process that I can use applying Scripture as I read Scripture, as I apply Scripture, as I ask, what in this Scripture do I need to obey as it begins to cut me? I begin to become more and more Useful in the hands of God. I become more and more like the person God has created me to be. So I want to look at Jesus here in this story. Jesus. I would say that Jesus is the razor of God's word. And he's going to cut Simon Peter and these men here. Imagine Jesus, the razor of God's word, is now in Simon's boat. All these people were pressing in upon him. Simon had just come to the shore, and of all boats he's going to pick, he picks Simon's. And he tells Simon, push out a little bit away from the land. So he does, and then as, he brings, as Simon brings Jesus back to the shore, Jesus looks at him and has this, this conversation that you'll see in just a moment. But imagine Jesus standing in your boat. Imagine Jesus being in your life. Imagine Jesus asking you to do things that you have done all night long. You're tired and you're weary and you want to go home, you want to go to bed and you want to eat something and just chill out. Simon is frustrated. He has worked all night long and he has caught nothing. He is now sleepy. He is now hungry. And the last thing that he wants to do is to throw out another net. Watch the video.
cool with you, Beecher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing.
You as well. Yes, you, James and John, come, follow me. I'll take the fish to the market and settle up Simon's there. I'll get some help to quit both of these boats. Are you sure? Yes, go. What will you tell Ima? <laughs> We've just been called by the man we prayed for our entire lives. And you ask me, what will I say when you miss supper? <laughs> go, now. So there's some things that uh, stand out to me in that video, but one of the biggest is what would have happened had Simon had looked at Jesus and had said, when Jesus told him, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. What if he would have looked at Jesus after all of his experience, after all his professionalism? Jesus was a carpenter. What do carpenters know about fishing? What if he had looked at Jesus and said, I've, I'm tired, I'm frustrated, I'm hungry. Went all night without catching anything. You know what? I'm just going to go home and get some rest. What would have happened? What would have happened? Of course, you know, it goes without saying, obviously Simon would not have experienced the miraculous catch of fish had he not obeyed Jesus. In this one moment, you see everything that I want to share with you this morning. And it is, how are we obeying Scripture? In our Sunday morning Bible studies, when we're reading our Bibles along at home, or when we're listening to the Bible, when we're driving to go to work or wherever, are how are we reading Scripture? Are we reading it just to gain information? Just to gain knowledge? Or are we reading it with a viewpoint, with a mindset of what in this must I obey? How does God want me to obey what I am reading at this moment in my life? Lord, I've read this passage over a hundred times. I'm tired. I just want to go home. And I just want to, I want to get some rest. Jesus says, read it again. How many followers of Jesus quit before they experienced the power of God? If Simon would have quit and made that decision, I'm going home, I'm going to rest, and I'm going to, done all, you don't know anything about fishing. If he would have chosen to do that, he would have missed and he would have quit before the experiencing the power of God in his life. I wonder how many of us have missed those moments. Lord, I've been witnessing to this person for, for three or four years. And the call comes out. Go share your, my word with them one more time. What do we do? Do we look and we say, no, I'm not going to. I, I'm tired and I, I'm just going to go home. No, go share the Word. How many times have we failed to benefit from the graciousness of God and the power of God in our lives because we think we're too professional at doing church or at doing Christianity? We've done this way too many times. It didn't work. Which brings me to another issue. 
You know, what is different about Simon fishing on his own than it was when he fished with Jesus' words? Was there any difference? (laughs) When I fish on my own, I didn't catch anything. All night long, Jesus. All night long. But he looks at him, and for some reason, and I think you saw it there in the video, as he throws his net out, you see Simon look at Jesus and go, hmm. And then Jesus kind of looks back at him and goes, hmm. It's kind of like in that hump. Simon is like, see, I told you nothing would happen. And then Jesus is going, hmm, if you would just listen to me, your fishing would be so much better. How many times do we feel the call of God upon our life to do something for Him? And even though we've done it a hundred times before, He looks and He says, do it once more. No matter how tired you are. And then we might just, hmm, at Jesus. There's transformational power in the obedience of God's Word in our lives. That is where we truly become transformed and more like Jesus. And we see that here in this moment. And what Simon is doing, he obeys anyway, even though he's tired. I would dare to say to you that as Simon in this moment, how his life was changed is that he was cut. Jesus cut him with Scripture. He cut him with the power of His Word to let him know That it's not in your power that you go out and fish. It's in my power, Simon. It's not in your power. So maybe we need to take a, maybe we need to just ask ourselves in whose power are we doing things? Are we doing things in our power? Or are we doing things in the power of Jesus Christ? You know, I also look at it and I see how he was cut by Jesus. Because he realized at that moment when he caught that miraculous amount of fish, that he was a sinful man. And he jumps out, falls down upon his knees at Jesus' feet. And has a confession there with him. Folks, there are those moments in our lives that are awaiting us. That depend upon our obedience. There are those God moments that will transform your life. That will transform the life of your families. Maybe generationally. In what you choose to do and how you choose to obey God's word. I know you look at Simon and you say, well, you know, Mike, uh, not too long from then, uh, these guys are walking and they're going through Samaria. sermon I preached a couple of weeks ago. Walking through Samaria and they come to uh, a well and they get hungry and they leave. Well, guess what they missed? They missed that moment. I wonder... I wonder if there are at times, you know, I've, I've done a lot of reading. I've done a lot of studying. I have 
continuing to do a lot of research as to what things are going on in, in the church world, what things are happening in rural communities, what things are happening in uh, not rural communities, suburban areas. And I guess it comes down to me, what the Lord is telling me is this. Are you too professional to follow me? Does it have to be all upon studies of what other people have done? Or are you just going to do what I say do? Are you going to be willing to be obedient in what I am asking you to do? Or are you going to be too professional to follow me? No matter what your profession is. The call to follow Jesus is in any profession. The question is, are we too professional to follow Him? So we talked about the, the Word of God attracts people. And as people engage the Word of God, it transformed them. We've talked about Jesus being the razor that cuts. How He cut Simon and the result that came out of Simon's life. So my final question to you is, so where do we go from here? Where do we go with a sermon like this? Dwight L. Moody once said, The Bible was not giving for our information, but for our transformation. As I've already mentioned, a central question that I would ask you this morning is, what are your motives when you read Scripture? Why are you reading Scripture? Is it to... Uh, do a daily checklist of, hey, I've done my daily devotional. I'm right there next to the throne. Huh? What are our motives in reading Scripture? Is it to just gain information? Is it to lord ourselves up over someone else who may not know as much? Or is it to allow God's Word to truly transform our life? Eugene Peterson as I mentioned at the first of the sermon, he said the most important question is not what does this mean? The most important question is what and how can I obey this in my life? How can I apply this to my life? So no matter where, if we're at home, if we are in our Sunday morning Bible studies, Wednesday nights, I would share and I would ask you at some point in time to look at your people, look at the people that you're leading and to ask them, how can we apply this to our lives? How can you apply it to your life? Many times we get caught up in genera, genera, generalizations so that one person says, this is how I can do it. Yes. Yeah, what is God wanting you to do with that passage of Scripture in your life? John Stott Another commentator and theologian writes, We must allow the Word of God to confront us, to dis disturb our security, to undermine our complacency, and to overthrow our patterns of thought and behavior. But we must allow the Word of God to do that. It's not going to do it unless we come and approach the God's reading God's Word from a position of obedience. So as we come and as we get a song ready, are you, here's where I'm going to leave this with you. Are you allowing the Bible to cut you or are you simply reading for information and knowledge? As you read the Bible in your Sunday morning Bible studies and alone, do you read with this purpose in mind? How can I obey this scripture? 
How can I apply this scripture to my life? What is God wanting to whittle away from me to make me more like Him? I would dare say, folks, that if we, me included, if we don't approach the Word of God in this manner, we will never tap into the transformational power of the Word of God. And if we don't tap into the transformational power of the Word of God in us through His Word, people will never see God's presence or His powerful presence here at First Baptist Tallapoosa. This is my final thought. Engaging God's Word transforms people. How many of you believe that? You believe that engaging God's Word will transform you. How many of you believe that the people who are transformed through God's or through obedience to God's Word, that they can exhibit the power of God through their lives? How many of you believe that? Folks, then I would say, what attracts people to us? What attracts people? The power of God that is being lived out through our obedience. When people begin to see that, it won't matter what we're singing or what we're playing or how we're preaching. They want to come see what God's doing, not what man's doing. We get enough of that in this world. People don't want anything that man has to offer. They want something God can provide them. But we can only show them if we will be obedient to His Word. That is what will attract people. Being obedient to the Word. Looking at people rubbing up against them and saying, how, does, how are you going to apply this to your life, Scott? What are you going to do this week with uh, being obedient to God's Word? Are you too, are you too professional of a pipeliner to, uh, to follow Jesus out there on the pipeline? Is it hard to do so sometimes? Folks, I don't know where your hearts are this morning. But I would pray and I would ask you to look inside deep to see if you are even willing. Now, I know it sounds awful. Robin just begins playing softly. When you start to read Scripture, it cuts. And I know from getting cut, whether it's a paper cut or anything, Many of us don't want to be cut with the word, so therefore we don't read. But I ask you this morning to evaluate your life, Scott, as you come and as you begin singing, as you stand, and ask Will our obedience to God's word, we have more of a desire to be obedient to his word so that our lives will be transformed, so that people will see.
morning we're going to jump up into his arms, Scott. He's going to cradle us. And he's going to say, I know this hurts. But I have greater things for you. I have greater things that I want to show people through your life. If you will only be obedient and allow me to carve a little bit of this sinful life out of your, out of your life. Folks, I invite you to respond to how the Spirit is talking to you as we stand and as we sing this Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here this morning. Remember that we are going to be uh, at the Wizenet House beginning at 5.30. Invite you to come out. We will be having a Super Bowl party. We will not be watching the uh, halftime show. <laughs> we will do a little devotion or something of that nature during the, uh, during the uh, halftime show. But at any rate, I encourage you to come out, be a part of the family. Uh, invite people to come out and be a part with you. Remember our baby bottle boomerang that is uh, due today. If you can't get it here uh, tonight, bring it by the office first thing uh, in the morning. If you get an opportunity to go see Mr. Don today, I encourage you to go do that as well. Not today. Oh, is it not today? No. 27th. My apologies. <laughs> On the 27th. All right, folks. Uh, I got.